Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl, and I talk about how you can start, run, and sell the bootstrap business without burning out. This episode is called Finding the Critical Problem, How to Work on the Right Things. So let's get started. You start a new business that solves a problem. You create a unique solution to help your audience deal with the pain that they're feeling, yet the company fails to take off, even though you have a good solution and excellent marketing material. People don't want to pay for it. Why is that? I believe that many booster businesses only do half the work. They solve a problem, but they don't address the critical problem. If you want to build a profitable business, you have to solve the most important problem your customer is facing. The one that, when solved, will change their life. So what is the critical problem? What makes it critical? Today, I'll share how to recognize if you're focusing on the critical problem long before turning it into a business. There are a few key properties that any critical problem has, which I'll explain in detail. And if you find an issue that has these properties, you'll have an excellent candidate for successful, profitable business. All businesses solve problems. That's why we start enterprises. But even though some businesses solve a problem well, they still fail. The community Failery at failery.com has a startup cemetery where founders explain why they think their company didn't make it. The reasons range from bad business model to poor product or wrong time to market, these kind of things. In most cases, someone built a business around something that people have asked them to create or because they thought it would be a good idea to invent that solution. That's not enough validation. It's not even close. And here are a few reasons why. First, you built a solution for customers who think they have a problem, uh, but they have it under control. You solved the wrong problem. You developed a solution that only helps at the margins. You solved the wrong problem again. Or you built something, but your customers just have bigger fish to fry. You solved the wrong problem. You will want to build a need to have instead of a nice to have. You want to build a painkiller instead of a vitamin. You want to be the aspirin. And how can this be done? Well, it can be done by finding the most important problem they have, the one issue that is critical to their success. So let's talk about this critical problem. If you can help a customer with their critical problem, they'll benefit the most. No other tool will provide as much value as yours. Their most critical problem is on their minds most often. It's important because it's coming up frequently and it's never easy to solve. It has the most impact on their lives and it's not always the obvious choice. You personally might have a skewed perception of the problems within an industry. I have a friend who works in real estate due diligence. As an industry outsider, I always thought he was in the building checking for correct labels and fire exits and staircases most of the time. But it turns out that the thing that eats up most of his day is not the on-premise work. It's actually writing reports. If I wanted to build a business to help him and his colleagues, I would have gravitated to making the on-premise job easier. But what he needs is help with his reports. You might loathe a particular approach, but other people might love it. At the beginning of my software development career, I hated writing documentation and writing reports. I would have never built a documentation-based product 10 years ago. I would have just not done it. But I would have come up with many reasons why that just wouldn't work. Thankfully, I brought my mind ever since, and that's why I ended up building and eventually selling Feedback Panda, which was essentially a report writing, a documentation maintaining product for online English teachers. 
and they like doing that, right? So some people might love doing the things you dislike. So don't dismiss that too early. Here's how you can tell if a problem is a critical problem. There's a number of properties. I'm going to list them all. A critical problem is making your customers' lives more difficult and less enjoyable. That's number one. Problems can be a nuisance. They come up, you either deal with them or you ignore them. But we cannot ignore the critical problems. They persistently make the lives of those who have them harder until they're resolved. They can't be just ignored as they consistently reduce the quality of life of those who have it. For Feedback Panda, that was true because teachers would spend over two hours a day just writing student feedback. Those two hours spent writing feedback were two fewer hours available for their children, for their families, hobbies, and activities. So find the critical problem where ignoring something causes a lower quality of life. The second one, a critical problem is painful. It involves wasting time or money. Some issues are challenging, but not wasteful. If you're a writer, you'll sometimes spend a lot of time thinking about your ideas, but it's never pointless to intellectually refine your work. That's very different if you're writing a report that you're required to produce, particularly when you're sure that no one is ever going to read it. You must get that report done, but it feels like a waste of time and effort. A critical problem often feels like it's a waste of precious resources while being mandatory at the same time. For us at Feedback Panda, that was true because while the time spent on writing student feedback was unpaid, producing the feedback itself was mandatory. If teachers wouldn't send their feedback within 12 hours of teaching the students, they wouldn't even get paid for teaching. So often they would need to do it, even though the parents would not even read their feedback, but this just was required. So find the critical problem at the intersection of something mandatory and something wasteful. Number three, a critical problem is not optional. There's no way to opt out of having to deal with it. Some things can be ignored or delegated, but a critical problem can't. If it's critical, people will have to deal with the problem every single time it occurs. They can't just opt out of it. Solving the problem is essential to making any kind of progress in their work. For Feedback Panda, that was the case because teachers really had no choice. They had to provide feedback within half a day or they wouldn't get paid. For the time they had already spent teaching, right? It's like is a very strange kind of requirement, particularly for a teacher. But every time they teach a student, the feedback was mandatory. So find the problem, the critical problem, where people would love to opt out because they would like to do other things that are more important to them, but they cannot. The next one is a critical problem occurs frequently and repeatedly. The reason why critical problems are always on the minds of, the, of your customers is that the problems happen so often. Every day, every week, every month, the critical problems repeatedly occur. For your customers, it's always the most urgent thing at that time. The issue needs to be solved right there and then, every single time. It's not, if it's not frequent, it's likely not a critical problem. If it occurs repeatedly and isn't easily solved, it's likely to be a critical problem. For us, that was true because teachers had to write at least three paragraphs of text for each 25-minute lesson they taught. Many of our customers taught 20 or more of these lessons per day. For them, this critical problem appeared 20 times a day, every 30 minutes. And they needed to write engaging messages every single time as well. So you can find the critical problem where people need to do the same thing 
over and over again. A critical problem takes up non-negligible amount of time. If a problem can be solved quickly, people either solve it the moment it appears or they set aside some time to do the work in a batch or something later without feeling that it's a waste of time. If that's the case, the problem is not critical. Only when you need to spend considerable time and effort, each time you solve the problem, will it be impossible to just deal with it. Doing it later also turns it into a chore as it may take hours or days to deal with a long queue of deferred problems. So, so a critical problem will feel like an unwelcome chore. It's important yet tiresome. For Feedback Panda, this was true because writing feedback for the parents of your student required a lot of mental effort. You had to remember the lesson contents, how the student dealt with the work, what can be done to improve it for the future, what they could do at home. That is a lot of detail. And if you have to do that after teaching for 10 hours nonstop, you'll be mentally exhausted. So we found our critical problem where solving a problem takes a long time every single time the problem occurs. Lastly, a critical problem forces people to solve it using their own system, often using basic tools. There's a the joke that every SaaS is an Excel sheet transformed into business logic. Not sure if it's a joke or just a meme, but it's been repeated many, many times. The moment someone uses generic tools like word processors or spreadsheets to solve a problem, it's an indicator that the problem is valuable enough to build tools around it. Most problems don't have high complexity and they can be solved on the spot, but a critical issue will be complicated enough to start developing a system. If your customers have a pile of post-it notes or a chaotic assortment of Word and Excel files to solve a problem, you may have found a critical problem. For Feedback Panda, it was true because we found that most teachers who taught a certain amount of classes had invented their own systems. So we found systems all over the place. Some teachers use regular notepads to take notes during class. Other teachers had already written feedback templates and put them into Word files. The most technically inclined of them had already created simple feedback creation tools and forms with Google Sheets, Google Forms, that kind of stuff. A community of teachers had started sharing their feedback templates and collaborative documents on the web through Google Docs as well. It was clear that people were aware that there was a solution to their problem. So we can find the critical problem where people are solution aware and have already created their own simple systems to solve it. And a bonus property that isn't always the case, but is very interesting to look into, a critical problem is something companies hire for. In a tweet, Tyler Tringas, the founder of Stormapper and now the CEO of main partner of Ernest Capital, mentions another way of finding critical problems. He's looking for which positions companies hire for. If they pay a person thousands of dollars a month to, to do a job, it must surely be significant. Looking at hiring is another perspective on the jobs to be done framework, where the focus shifts from the product to what is important for your customers. Not what is, but what ought to be. So look at where your customers want to be. Find the problems in their way, clear the path. Build a product that will do this for thousands of people by solving their critical issues. Let's look at critical problems and value now. 
Because a critical problem is so prevalent and has measurable implications, your customers are very capable of calculating the value of a solution that solves it. They'd be thrilled to pay as soon as paying for the solution is cheaper than continuing with the status quo. They will be willing to pay in one or two or three out of three cases. If the solution saves them time, if the solution saves them money, or if the solution makes them money. If it does all three at the same time, it'll be a guaranteed hit. If it saves them time, money, and makes money, yeah, that's great. I'd pay for that. The more your solutions provide along these dimensions, the more valuable it'll be. So what will happen if the problem you're looking at is not critical? If you solve a problem that isn't critical for your customers, one or more of the following things will happen. They have no interest in paying. With no non-critical problems, customers often find alternative ways of solving the problem because they just want to save money. It's not worth enough for them to pay for a solution that they value to be worth less than spending time to look for and then use alternative solutions. Your solution is likely solving the wrong problem or it's addressing the right problem the wrong way. They also might not want to pay any longer because they stopped paying because they found a solution to be more critical or to a more critical problem. And they start paying for that as it's much more valuable than your product. Your price might be too high or sometimes too low as it suggests a lower value. Another thing that could happen if the problem isn't critical is that your churn just is uncontrollable. Customers cancel their subscriptions soon after subscribing, it's disillusionment for lack of value, they give up all indicators of a solution to the wrong problem. If this happens to you, reach out to them and ask what made them cancel and what you could have done to prevent that. I always ask in these kind of conversations, what is the one thing that would you that you you would have uh, had to have for you to stay? That was the central question, maybe phrased a bit better, but finding the one thing that could have made them stay was always a very good indicator of why they canceled, because obviously there lies the problem for them in the non-existence of a feature or something being too like, more too expensive or too high, too low, whatever it was, you want to try to find this kind of thing, particularly how they would have wanted you to prevent it. Right, so it's always anecdotal, and it might show, um, well, just a individual perspective, but it also might show a more significant trend of where a solution is not fitting the critical problem. Another thing that can happen if it's not critical is that nobody talks about the product. If you provide a delightful solution to a critical problem, people will start talking about it. If even after many months of providing a service to actual paying customers, you still don't see any word of mouth you will need to invest heavily in marketing and that will increase your acquisition costs significantly. And if that happens and there's still no word of mouth happening, you'll eventually run out of money. So how can you find the critical problem? How can you learn about which is the most critical problem your customers have? Well, it's quite straightforward. You talk to them. You ask them for what annoys them most. You find out where they want to be. You ask them what keeps them from being the best at what they're doing. And expect the unexpected. Some problems may seem almost comically simple to solve, but that might be the preconceived notion of the technician in you. 
Meet your customers where they are. Some may have never thought of using Excel to track information that is not numerical. Some others don't know how powerful a well-designed mobile application can be in the hands of people in the traditional sector, like cattle farming. Keep an open mind. You, you really don't know what people just don't have on their radar. Focus on what you can help them accomplish. Ask for what customers want to end up with, which state they want to be in when the work is done. Don't focus too much on how it's done. That's usually more tradition than optimized process, but try finding the intended outcomes and then figure out how to make them happen faster and easier. Try not going into these conversations with a pre-formulated idea. Go in empty and soak it all up. Spend your time listening more than talking. Like Rob Fitzpatrick suggests in his book, The Mom Test, which I really recommend you reading, don't talk about your product. Have them talk about their problems. Take your technical knowledge and try applying it to other fields. Think of the fact that most people are blind to developments outside of their own industrial bubble. Incumbents often innovate very slowly, and some things that are tried and tested in one industry are entirely unheard of in another. Be ready to transfer your skills and knowledge and expect people not to understand all of it immediately. It's actually an important part of being, uh, I guess, a SaaS tech entrepreneur, particularly when you come from a development background. You know so many things about tools and approaches, solutions to problems that are perfectly normal for you. I recently ran into that um, when I was talking, well, back at Feedback Panda, I guess, talking to our customer service agents. And I myself use a lot of just optimization tools on my computer. Like I have a clipboard manager and stuff like Text Expander to type things quickly because I repeat myself all the time. Perfectly normal for me to understand that these tools exist, that I can go back weeks, if not months, in my copy and paste clipboard history and find that one link. When I showed this kind of stuff to our customer service agent, it was mind-blowing to them. And it might actually be mind-blowing to some of you listeners right now on the podcast, because some of these things you just are not aware of. You haven't seen this, or you haven't encountered it anywhere. You haven't even thought that you had a problem that this might solve. So if you felt like this just now, or felt like this at some point, in your life where you encountered something that was perfectly clear to others, but not to you, you just witnessed the transfer of te yeah, technical knowledge from one field to the other. And that is why businesses work. That is why you with your SaaS can go into a completely different industry and build something meaningful that wasn't there before. Nobody had heard of it in that industry before, and you're the one to bring it. Yeah, if you find something that will make them significantly more money or save time that it's obvious, then you have something to go on. Customers should really want to pay for it, almost have a burning desire to open their wallets. When, you, when they ask you if that is possible and you tell them, yeah, it is, their mouth should drop to the floor. Well, not the mouth, but you know. <laughs> if you see eyes widening and jaws dropping, that's a thing that should be dropping, when you talk about solving their most critical problem, then you have the main ingredient for great bootstrap business that can actually thrive. That concludes the article um, that you can find on the bootstrapfounder.com slash finding the critical problem. And 
here's the thing. I only learned this kind of stuff recently as well. I learned it through going through Feedback Panda, building the company and running it. I learned it in the reflection of what I done, what I've done right this time and what I hadn't done right uh, times before when I was in different startups. I was just reflecting on the companies I was part of before and how we always forgot to really make sure that we're solving critical problems of people. We solve problems that we thought were important, but there's a big difference between an important problem and a critical problem. If you think of the Eisenhower matrix, you know, this uh, four quadrants or four fields uh, between important, not important, urgent, and not urgent, critical problems are always in the urgent and important section there. And I think with many companies that have been part of, we solved important problems or we solved urgent problems, but we didn't solve the ones that were both at the same time. And you can always be pretty, pretty sure that you don't really know the industry as well as you think. Um, here in Berlin, I co-founded a company with a number of friends that was supposed to help farmers in the surrounding areas of Berlin, like outside of Berlin, to bring fresh local produce and food into the city and make it available to the people living in the city that were interested in getting essentially better food than they could find in the supermarkets. And we were building this whole marketplace and we talked to a couple farmers, we talked to a couple people. So we did some research, but we didn't really qualify it. We, we thought, okay, these people have this need the farmers need to sell into the city to make money. The people in the city need to get good food, but it was never critical, right? It was it was something, particularly the consumption of luxury goods. There is hardly any critical problem in there, because by definition, a luxury good, which at that point a couple years ago, uh, local food still was, cannot be critical or fundamental because then it wouldn't be a luxury item. So we built this whole system for many, many months. And if you ever build a thing and not release it or release it way too late, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was like six, seven months of us just building it without having any customers there. And of course it fizzled out. Of course it went nowhere. But the fact that we didn't put in a payment system also kind of um, made it a bit hard to monetize, but there just wasn't a, a big enough group of people that had a critical problem there. And also, farmers were hard to reach. So the audience we chose was already quite dispersed and we didn't really do any research with them because it was hard. they were hard to reach. Like You won't be able to just email a farmer, at least not here in Germany, where 20% of them have an email address. You can call them, but they're in the field so they won't have time to talk to you and they get approached by many, many people as well. So yeah, that was that was a big problem. And, and we really didn't look into the, the criticalness of the of the product or the problem that we were then solving, which is an issue. So if you want to, if you're in the preparation, preparation stage of your business before you've actually started building anything, and even if you have started building stuff, reflect on if the problem you're solving for the audience you've picked and you should have picked an audience. You shouldn't just solve a problem that you aren't even sure anybody has. Reflect if that problem exhibits the things that I, I talked about earlier. I'm going to just reiterate them that 
The problem is making your customers' lives more difficult and less enjoyable. The problem is painful and involves wasting time or money. It's non-optional. There's no way to opt out of having to deal with it. It occurs frequently and repeatedly, and it takes up a non-negligible amount of time and forces people to solve it using their own systems, often using basic tools. If you can find this in your problem, you're good to go. If you find none of these things in your problem, you are very likely solving a non-critical problem. And yeah, the thing is you have to look at it in the context of the lives of your customers. You, you may actually make some money solving a non-critical problem. There's a lot of applications, apps on the store, on, on the app stores, or just things that people install and use for fun, for enjoyment, or for distraction. And it's great. And maybe that is one of their problems, but it's not critical. And you see that people won't pay much money for this, if at all. And these things are the first things to go if money gets tight. So you want to be the business, the service. You want to offer the service that people cancel last. And for that to be true, the problem you solve needs to be more important than the problems that are solved by the other tools that they should be canceling before they cancel yours. I think that's a good closing word when it comes to finding the critical problem. So thank you very much for listening to the Bootstrap Founder podcast today. You can find me on Twitter at, at Arvid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me in the Bootstrap Founder podcast, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe to this podcast. It'll help other founders or founders-to-be find this podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. So thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.